Pink Grandeur in YYFM. You're listening to YYFM. Hello and welcome to the Silver Scene podcast, episode 6. Um, this is a podcast for YYFM where I get to talk about anything Hollywood, film, TV. Um, and hopefully you, you uh, enjoy listening to it. <laughs> so, um, last episode... We talked about um, box office numbers with Napoleon and with Oppenheimer. Um, Oppenheimer's success was with uh, Blu-ray and we uh, touched on a few other things, Marvel things, um, about director changes and such. Well, this week is a bit different. We'll be discussing three new trailer releases. There was a big bombardment of trailers this week, but we've got three here that I've chosen to talk about. We'll talk about some recent comments that Kevin Feige made surrounding the, um, the future of the MCU. Uh, we'll touch on some I Am Legend news, um, a possible or a uh, definite sequel is in development for that, um, and a slate of actors and actors and what who's what are the most intriguing pairings in there for me. So we'll start off with the trailers. The first trailer I want to talk about is the Fallout trailer, so Amazon Prime are making a TV adaptation of a very popular video game franchise called Fallout, and Fallout is a post-apocalyptic sort of 1950s style like you know everything in, in that sort of style that sort of imagery and um and what have you but it is set hundreds of years into the future um essentially a nuclear war breaks out between china and the u.s and you know the whole world is destroyed um and so in this trailer we see the iconic sort of color scheme of fallout where the um there's the vaults and everyone's wearing blue and yellows and you know these jumpsuits and it's all clean and pristine but like metallic and very almost medical like surgical cold lighting and outside is like orange and deserty and wasteland but it's more colorful um outside with like um makeshift towns that have been built up out of anything you know of scrap and, and what have you very similar to almost mad max i guess now in the trailer we see um we see the vault dwellers the main character is the vault dweller which is the you know the the before the nuclear apocalypse essentially a company called vault tech has made a bunch of vaults to protect people like um you know nuclear bunkers essentially and people had to pay to get in and they go in but it was the company had ulterior motives i'm not going to go too far into it i don't want to spoil what could potentially be revealed in the show and you know they stay in there for generations generations until it's time for them until the you know they detect radiation levels have gone down enough where it's safe to go out and that's when they leave and you know go into the, the wasteland so in it we see um uh um the main character a vault dweller um a woman and these scenes are like really bombastic they're like fights in the vaults happening you know with um 1950s music playing very stylistically fallout um any person that's played a fallout game could immediately tell you this is fallout um then we see um the wasteland a few characters there so you see a few of the mutant monsters out there like a a mutant radioactive bear called yaogwai um and we see the antagonist of the show um who is dubbed the ghoul for the moment played by um walton goggins um who is cast perfectly looks great in this he has like the 
the ghoulish sort of look that the the, the ghouls have in fire. In, in fire, there's a, a subspecies of humans, I guess. They're humans that have been mutated by radiation. And, you know, all their skin's peeling off, they've got no nose, and they're like, you know, they're just ghoulish, I guess. Um, and we see him, he's like a, a cowboy bounty hunter sort of thing, and how their um, story's going to interact with our protagonist's stories is um, something that I'm looking forward to finding out. The ghouls are always, you know, they, they have a very, like, uh, uh, smokery voice, and they refer to non-ghouls as smooth skins and stuff like that, so... It'd be really interesting to see. We all see the Brotherhood of Steel, who are like this um, faction, uh, this morally grey faction of like um, proto military, um, kind of like a militia almost, but they're like the remnants of the old military and they want to, you know, like unite the United States back together and try and reform society, but they do it in sometimes morally questionable ways. And that's one thing with Fallout is every character every faction is morally questionable in some way um so expect to see that a lot in this show um they wear the, the brotherhood of steel wear these big suits of armor called power armor and um yeah it, it all looks like if you if you've seen it in the game it all looks perfect one-to-one practical effects everything apart from you know some things the, the mutant bear isn't practical effects obviously that's cgi but Anytime they've tried to do, or they, they thought they could do practical effects, it's clear they have. They've put the effort in. It looks very high budget, very good. I've seen nothing but positive reception to the trailer. There's a few Fallout fans who would prefer it to look more like the older games rather than the newer games, because the newer games are more clean, colourful sort of aesthetic compared to the older games. Um, but apart from that, I think, you know, I think... The general consensus is very, very good. It releases in April next year. Um, I said, like I said before, Prime Video, April twelfth next year to be precise. Prime Video. Um, it's being uh, run by the same studio that did um, The Boys, and being directed by the same guy who directed uh, the first season of Westworld, which was again critically acclaimed. The next season's not so much, but the first season was. And he only did the first season, I'm pretty sure, and it's been written by Jonathan Nolan, the brother of Christopher Nolan. Now, he wrote all of Christopher Nolan's films, apart from Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is an original screenplay, well, it's an adapted screenplay by Christopher Nolan. He did it himself. So, I'm really excited for that. Definitely watch it. I'm a huge Fallout fan. And so, you know, I have nothing but excitement for this TV show. The next trailer is the House of the Dragons Season 2 trailer, which Game of Thrones, House of the Dragons, is my favourite TV shows ever. I love the universe. Anything about it, I will consume any media from that universe, no matter what. And um, we were expecting this trailer. You know, we, we saw that filming had pretty much wrapped up. Um, media were being shown snippets of, of the, the next season. It's releasing summer next year, follows on directly from Season 1. Um, in the trailer, we see you no know, shots of um, Emma Darcy, who plays um, Rhaenyra Targaryen. You know, they're looking on the beach for the remains of her son or their son. Her son, I guess the character is her. Um, and yeah, there's, you get these shots of her emotion on the face, and you can tell that you know Emma Darcy's a great actor. Anyway, it, it wasn't up for debate. You know, 
everyone knew after season one that they were one of the you know standout performers in the show and you can tell that that trend will carry on in this season we see shots of Alison Hightower played by Olivia Cook you know um looking really distraught with what's happened you know her son has just killed the um, the opposing faction leader's son as well uh, Rhaenyra's son um, by accident but you know it still happened and that's going to start the war the the dance of dragons the civil war that the whole series is based on and we see you know um Alicent's son the king Aegon Aegon the second he sat on his throne you know he's messing about with the marble on the throne he's clearly not not that interested in being there he has his um his crown on which is Aegon the Conqueror's crown looks really good all the crowns in, in this look really good but his is like black with a big red ruby in the middle and a cool little detail that I like about the trailer was you could see that it didn't fit him properly which you know it's like a metaphorical view on his his reign and such we get to see a, a few glimpses of the north which is what will be different in this season mainly from last season is the north will be brought into it House Stark uh, the wall the Night's Watch everything like that that you know a lot of people will be excited for from Game of Thrones they're back in it um We'll get to see Winterfell. There's a few rumours that the series, the season will start at the Wall, um, and that we might see the White Walkers again um, as a sort of you know hint towards Game of Thrones. Even though Game of Thrones is finished now, you know for anyone who's watching it in prequel order, like a little a little throwback to that series because um, they have been trying to connect the two a lot more than what they would be in the books. Um, but yeah, I can't wait. They also confirmed that. Um, in a previous podcast episode, I talked about how Tom Taylor had been cast as Craig and Stark, and that's been confirmed now with the the release of this trailer. Um, and yeah, it's shaping up really well. One big difference I've noticed with this trailer is that um, you can see the scenes a lot more. They're a lot more well lit. The previous showrunner, Miguel Sapochnik, who did season one and he was um one of the main one of the, the, the recurring directors in the Game of Thrones series who always always did the battle scenes. He did, you know, Battle of the Bastards, um the 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 Long Night episode in season eight. He did Hard Home in season five. You know, he always does these big climactic battle episodes. But his episodes have always been critiqued for being too dark, you can't really see anything. And that was a big complaint with House of the Dragon. He was a showrunner, so you know you'd assume he's had some sort of input in that. You can really see that's very different this time. He's no longer showrunner. He's no longer involved in the show um, for creative differences, I guess. Even though there's, there's a rumor that it was because his wife wasn't allowed to be on the, the HBO wouldn't allow his wife to be on the writing team, um, so he left the show. And so the show looks. Lighting-wise, a lot better than it did, so maybe that's a positive take out of it. Who knows how the rest of it will go. And our last trailer we'll talk about is the Halo trailer. Now, Halo Season 1 was not very good. It was critically planned, uh, critically panned. It wasn't viewed very much um, on Paramount+. Plus. It was very... It didn't stick to the source material at all. Um, no one particularly liked it. You know, it had things, so Halo obviously is based on a, a video game again, but a series of the same name. Titular character is, a, is a, um, a super soldier, essentially, called Master Chief. And the whole thing about him is we have no idea what he looks like. You know, he, he covers his face the entire time. He's very stoic and 
and such things. In the Halo TV show season one, he's very rarely seen with his uh, helmet on. He's always, you know, uh, showing his face, talking. Um, also, one thing with Master Chief is his voice is very iconic. And if you cast someone, you could have easily just cast the same voice actor as in the games, get got the character to keep his helmet on, and you know, jobs are good. And who's gonna who's gonna complain about that? But they decided to take it somewhere else and do this. And Halo fans were not happy with it at all. Um, there was many like differences, like key core differences from the source material, plot holes and such. Well, season two, the trailer for that has come out, and it looks a bit better. It does. It, it looks more Halo E. There's still some concerns, you know, he, again, he always has his helmet off, he's never wearing it. Um, but it looks like they're taking a, a closer, a closer um, tie to the, 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 the games, the source material, I guess, and books. Um, it is a, a game and book series. But I'm, I'm cognizant of the time, so I'm going to move on to the next topics. Uh, and so we'll go on to um, Kevin Feige into Vanity Fair said that... Um, Iron Man will not be returning to the MCU. Um, he's quite just saying, We all worked very hard for many years to get to that. We would never want to magically undo it in any way. This is music to my ears. If they brought back another character, then it makes the deaths of these characters completely meaningless. And it's one of the issues that I've had with the multiverse saga so far in the MCU, really, is even if a character dies and they stay dead, you can, you know, theoretically there's always a multiverse out there with another version of that character that you could bring back. Like, you know, it, it's it's kind of there as like an excuse if, if um, the people making the films, if Marvel wanted to bring back a character because, you know, they, they see that, oh, audiences, you know, attention to, to our franchise has diminished since that character's left. So that always concerns me, but at least we have it in a, in writing now, and so he'd be contradicting himself if he did come back. We then move on to I Am Legend 2 is in development with Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan uh, set to star in the film. Will Smith said in an interview, I have a call with Michael B. Jordan tomorrow. Um, the script just came in and we're going with the, t the DVD version of the film. So, I Am Legend, again, post-apocalyptic, zombie, well, not zombies, vampires, actually. A lot of people don't realise that. But, you know, it's like a, a virus that spread around. And um, it was a, it was a decent enough film, I imagine, one. I quite enjoyed it. Um, it had some, you know, like, very, very emotional <laughs> moments uh, involving uh, an animal in particular. But um, he's always said that he wants to do I imagine, too. And now he's getting his wish with uh, Michael B. Jordan coming back. The part of the quote where he says, we're going with the DVD version, is because famously this film has two endings. In the theatrical cut, so the one you would see in cinemas, the main character dies at the end, he sacrifices himself to stop um, the outbreak, essentially, or to stop, um, or to keep a cure alive, essentially, keep a cure possible. In the DVD version, that doesn't happen. They leave, they kind of make peace with the vampires and leave, sort of thing. And so I'm, I'm interested to see how that will tie all together. Our last topic is Actors on Actors, which is a, um, a variety series of video interviews almost, but it's between two actors. And they'll bring two actors together who have some sort of connection, you know, like um, 
let's say one worked on the hobbit and one worked on lord of the rings but they were never in the same film let's say and they'll you know compare experiences and, and what have you so variety have released their um list of actors and actors and i thought i'd pick out a few that i think would be really interesting watches or really interesting listens so the first one is um robert downey jr and mark ruffalo both of them obviously in um in the mcu they're both in Zodiac, I believe. And so they have a lot of common ground there, a lot of discussions. They're uh, really good friends together. So that'll be a, you know, a one to listen to if there's any like um, less insightful, but more you know personal stories about each other and um, getting to know these actors a bit better. The second one, my most anticipated one, is Killian Murphy and Margot Robbie. Now, you've seen a picture of these two. Killian Murphy in a black outfit, Margot Robbie in a pink outfit. Apparently, that was completely uncoordinated, but, you know, Oppenheimer, Barbie. I feel like there's been some discussion there to match up. If not, then that's just the perfect coincidence, isn't it? But I cannot wait to hear these two's opinions on each other's films, on the whole Barbenheimer phenomenon that happened in the summer. Um... Yeah, I, I just, I want to know what, you know, what like little snippets they're going to reveal about each film. Um, and, yeah, they, they, they've been in the interview before, actually, and they were very, it was a, um, I can't remember what the, what the interview was for, but I remember Killian Murphy saying, you know, no, 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 it was uh, Margot Robbie saying, oh, Barbie's releasing on this date, and then, um, Killian Murphy says, oh yeah, that's the same day as Oppenheimer, this one, and she was like, oh really, they didn't realise at that point that that, that um, was going to happen, and how like it basically propelled these two films to ultra-success box office-wise. I really want to know, like, I want to find out what they think now, afterwards. But the next matchup is Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway, you know, two very popular, very famous British actresses. Um, of course, I'll be more insightful into the um, actress side of things, you know, specifically these two women talking about their experiences in the Hollywood industry and being actors or actresses um, and what they, they think. We have Rachel Zegler and Halle Berry, two very young female actresses. Um, Rachel Zegler, you know, she's been in a lot of high-profile films recently. She's, she's been in some and she's going to be in some very soon high-profile films, The Little Mermaid, The Hunger Games new film. And I want, I want to see this focus on the backlash that both of these people are getting. You know, the, it seems like people find any excuse they can to uh, slate these, these two actresses. Um, I want to know how they deal with that, you know, what um, what sort of measures have been taken. Like, do they go on the internet anymore and stuff like that? You know, how do they interact with these people that are basically just verbal abuse, essentially? And the last one I've chosen is Emma Stone and Bradley Cooper. Two very um, distinguished or distinguished um, act, an actor and actress in, in the industry um, who were in some of the highest rated films of the year with Maestro for Bradley Cooper. I can't remember Emma Stone's one exactly, but I remember seeing it in, in, the, um, in the cinema, the title of it. Let me uh, search this up very quickly. 
Um, 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 um. Poor Things. That's it, Poor Things. It looked very interesting, that film. Um, I'll definitely go and watch that in the cinema when it comes out. If I have the time, I'll, I'll definitely will do. Um, I think that's, that's a 2023 release. Yes, it is. Um, so, yeah, anytime soon I'll watch it. It's getting rave reviews. I remember that much about it. And Maestro has been nominated for multiple... Um, not nominated, it's expected to be nominated for multiple um, Academy Award um, categories, um, and as is um, Emma Stone's film. So starting December 6th, they will, these will then premiere daily after that at um, around 8pm UK time. So definitely keep an eye out, definitely um, watch. And or, and or listen in the same way you've listened to this. This is now the end of um, episode six of the Silver Scene podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, the next episode of the Silver Scene Review podcast will be a um, a slightly different. Normally, I would review a brand new film and give you my opinions, but the only brand new film out at the moment that I could have reviewed was Hunger Games. I've never seen the other Hunger Games films, so I didn't really feel comfortable reviewing this new one so instead i watched a retro film i've never seen before and um so we'll be reviewing saving private ryan in the next episode of the review podcast so thank you for listening um hopefully you've enjoyed it enough to listen next week um thank you and goodbye Am fwy o gynnwys fel hyn i ddiliniad lein ac i arall ni wybod beth offech chi gwybod nesaf, ewch chi it's yyfm.com. Thanks for listening to YYFM. For more content like this, to follow us online and to tell us what you want to hear more of, visit itsyyfm.com.